Welcome to Queer by Candlelight, hosted by Elizabeth Crane and Dahlia Kumar. Hi, I'm Elizabeth Crane, and I'm smiling so dementedly at this camera. And I'm Dahlia Kumar, and I'm staring into your soul while the end credits play. And this week, we're going to be discussing the 2022 movie Pearl, directed by Ty West and written by Ty West and Mia Goth. We are going to spoil the plot of the entire movie, as well as probably the entire plot of X. So simply do not listen if you care about the plots of those two movies. We're also very excited because today we have a lovely special guest on our podcast. Hi, I'm Samantha. Nice to meet y'all. And we're so excited to have her because we all went and watched Pearl together, like right when it came out. We went to like a late night showing of Pearl and X back to back. It was so much fun. We all love these movies and we were like, we should do a podcast episode about these movies. And we decided to do Pearl because we liked it just a little bit better than X and also because it was currently much cheaper to find on streaming platforms for some reason and we are cheap. So this movie is a prequel to the 2022 movie X and in the plot of X, just so that you guys get some background about what's going on in this prequel, uh, a group of people go to a farm in a rural area. I don't think we ever learn exactly what rural area, to my knowledge. And uh, they go there to shoot a porn, but the people who own the farm do not know that that's what they're doing. And when they learn, they decide to murder the group who travels there. The movie Pearl then shows the backstory of the elderly couple who owns the farm when they were much younger. The film opens with sweeping musical score over a shot of barn doors opening onto a very technicolor farmhouse that's painted um, pastel yellow. We then see various family photos and Pearl messing with her hair in one of those like three mirror vanities. Pearl then imagines that she's in a fantasy dance sequence. Her mother, Ruth, barges in and scolds her in German about, bar- about barring her mother's old dresses when she should be feeding the farm animals. Pearl storms into the barn and monologues to the cow, Charlie, about how one day she'll be a star because she's so special. Pearl picks up a pitchfork and dances with it, saying that the farm animals are her audience. A goose runs into the barn and starts squawking, and Pearl kills it with a pitchfork for interrupting her dance sequence. She then walks down to the lake on the, on the farm's property and stands on the dock where she uses it to feed a crocodile, which she is named Theta. Pearl clearly treats the crocodile as just another cute farmyard animal. As the croc jumps out of the water to get the goose speared on the pitchfork, pitchfork, we then get the Pearl title card, which is written in a very vintage-looking movie font. And then we see another title card that says it's the year 1918. That night, Pearl and her mother are shucking corn while her mother lectures her about not indulging in any more foolishness because it's selfish when there's so much work to be done. Pearl then picks up the newspaper which says that World War I has almost ended because the Allies have taken France, but her mother seems largely uninterested. Pearl goes to get her father, who's paralyzed and in a wheelchair, and rolls him to the dinner table. At dinner, Ruth tells Pearl that she must feed her father, and Pearl's clearly upset about this. After dinner, Pearl reads love letters from her husband Howard, who is away at war in World War I. 
As she reads it, she imagines Howard coming home. Then, the next shot shows she's reading them to her father in the bathroom, and she gives her father medicine and talks about how they're almost out of the medicine, meaning she will go to town to get more and can stop at the movies on her way. She then climbs into the bathtub and monologues about how she wants to be a dancer like in the movies. Her mother suddenly comes into the bathroom and says she needs to go get more medicine, but reminds her to wear a mask because of the Spanish flu. The next day, Pearl rides to town on her bike over some jaunty music, and she buys medicine, but then immediately goes to watch a movie about the Follies. And she's also wearing a face mask in the scene due to the Spanish flu, but also um, a commentary on COVID. At one point, we see Pearl taking a sip of her father's medicine. Oh. We all know there was cocaine in the medicine. (laughs) After the movie, Pearl stops in an alley near the theater to read about the movie in a pamphlet when the projectionist comes out and starts talking to her. Pearl explains that she wants to be a dancer, and the projectionist encourages her, saying that she's pretty. She then says that her husband's overseas. He offers her a second free movie, but Pearl says she needs to get home to take care of her sick father. Before she goes, the projectionist snips off a frame from the movie she just saw and gives it to her, and encourages her to stop by whenever. Pearl is riding back on her bike when the movie pamphlet flies out of her pocket and into a cornfield. Pearl stops to go look for it and finds the world's creepiest scarecrow. I don't understand why its face looked like that. I thought they were supposed to be made out of, like, burlap sacks or something. I don't know about this, you guys. Pearl takes the scarecrow off the pole, puts on its top hat, and starts dancing with it while an old-fashioned waltz plays. She then starts kissing it, like, way too much, and imagining that it's the projectionist. She then loudly screams, I'm married, in a very dramatic way. She then puts her finger over her mouth in the, like, shh motion, and then starts humping it and moaning, which is concerning, frankly. Pearl arrives back home, still wearing the scarecrow's top hat. Her mother says she took too long and questions why she's wearing the top hat. Her mother says she needs to wash her hair in case the hat had germs, and then tells her to clean her father up. To be fair, she's the, it's more than the hat that just has the germs. It's all over Pearl monologues to her father about the movie she saw while taking a bath. She then pinches her father's finger very hard to see if he'll react, and he doesn't. She starts poking at his face and asks him if if he's still conscious. And then she starts choking him, and he groans slightly. That night, the family is at dinner again when Ruth asks Pearl where the leftover money went. Pearl lies and says she bought candy. Her mother says she cannot eat dinner then but insists she remains seated at the table. She lectures Pearl about how the family is very poor and faces a lot of discrimination against German people because of the war. Her mother tells her that her fantasies are a sign of weakness and that she cannot have them anymore because that is not how she was raised. Pearl goes to her bedroom to pray and prays that she becomes a star so she can escape the farm. The camera zooms in on the window through which a shooting star passes by. The next day, Pearl is milking the cow when a car drives up. A blonde woman Pearl's age drives up and her mother as well. The mother offers Ruth a roast pig while the daughter, Mitzi, comes over to talk to Pearl and tells her how worried her mother has been about the Spanish flu. The two also talk about how both Howard is away at war, as these are apparently Pearl's in-laws, and Howard is Mitzi's brother. Ruth refuses the roast from Mitzi's mother, saying she doesn't want charity, although she leaves the roast on the porch anyways. 
Mitzi tells Pearl about a dance audition for a Christmas chorus line that will tour the state during the Christmas season. And both the girls plan to secretly attend because their mothers would not want them to go. Later, Pearl stares at the pamphlet from the movie and imagines herself in a black and white film as a movie star. Pearl steals another one of her mother's old dresses. That night, Pearl sneaks out the window wearing the dress and the scarecrow's top hat and rides into town on her bike. Pearl knocks on the projectionist's door, who apparently lives in the movie theater. Uh, he welcomes her in and shows her to his bedroom. Pearl says that she loves how he gets to see the movies every day for free, and he pours her a drink. Pearl says she's going to take his advice and go to the dance audition that Mitzi told her about. The projectionist continues to encourage her, saying she seems passionate, and he says he wants to show her a film he found while he was in the army in France. He then explains that he doesn't necessarily live in the theater, but doesn't have a home because he's a bohemian. The projectionist shows Pearl a silent film that is apparently a real antique porn called A Free Ride, about a man who offers two women a ride in exchange for sex. The projectionist explains that there's a bunch of films out there like this, and Pearl asks if it's legal. But, and the projectionist says that it will soon be, and that he plans on getting in on the industry early. Pearl complains about how much she hates reality, and the projectionist says that she should run away to New York, to New York City. She says that she will soon as her parents, she will as soon as her parents die, but the projectionist says that that may took, take too long and that she doesn't get a second chance to be young. Pearl then wishes for their immediate death, which startles the projectionist. She then changes the topic and says that it's nice to talk to someone since she feels so alone on the farm. The projectionist says that she should go to Europe after the war ends because the arts are more alive there. Pearl thinks and Pearl leaves and thanks the projectionist for talking to her again. Pearl sneaks back in through the window of her home and overhears her mother sobbing in her bed. Pearl lays down and looks at a picture of Howard on her bedside, angrily asking it, what are you looking at? The next morning, Pearl wheels her father out the front door and down to the dock by the lake. She calls the crocodile who approaches the dock. She's clearly considering feeding her father to the crocodile as she narrates to her father that she needs to leave and that she's so unhappy. Her mother appears and demands to know what Pearl is doing. Pearl asks her mother why she hates her, and her mother simply says she's doing what is best. Pearl wanders through the woods near the lake and goes looking for the crocodile. She finds the croc's next she finds the crocodile's nest with eggs in it before going back to the barn. In the barn, she puts one of the crocodile's eggs into the hayloft. The cow angrily moves at Pearl on her way out, and she yells at it to stop staring at her. Pearl angrily crushes the crocodile egg in her hand as she imagines her husband exploding while, wa while walking up to the farmhouse on his way home. That night at dinner, while it's storming outside, Ruth shows Pearl that she's found her movie pamphlet. She demands that Pearl take her dinner out to the barn until they know she's not sick with the Spanish flu, although Pearl protests that it'll be freezing. Pearl tells her mother that she's going to a dance audition the next day, but her mother says she's not going. She accuses Pearl of being ungrateful and not understanding how much her parents have sacrificed for her. Pearl says that if she goes to the dance audition and doesn't get it, then she'll stop complaining, but she needs to find out if she has what it takes. 
Her mother says that she has seen what Pearl does in private and that others will be frightened of her once they notice. Her mother starts to get worked up and rips the pamphlet apart, saying that she can see Pearl is evil and that she should never leave the farm again. Her mother then explains how much of a burden she carries, having to take care of her paralyzed husband, and screams about how Pearl is ungrateful for her. Pearl's mother offers her a steak knife, saying that's what Pearl really wants, but then puts the steak knife to Pearl's father's throat, saying that Pearl must want to kill him so she doesn't have to take care of him. Ruth screams about how both their husbands are gone, so they both have to do all the farm work before slamming the blade of the knife into the table. She says Pearl should go to the dance audition, but that when she fails, which she will, she should never return home, and should instead remember that this is how Ruth feels every day since almost everything has been taken from her. Pearl says what she really wants is to not end up like her mother, which causes Ruth to slap her. Pearl slaps her mother in return, and the two end up in a violent fistfight. Pearl pushes Ruth up against the fireplace, and Ruth's dress accidentally catches on fire. Pearl tries to put it out with the water that the corn they were eating was boiled in, but by this point her mother is extremely badly burned already. Pearl drags her barely alive mother into the basement and sees her father staring at her in fear but unable to move. She then runs away from the house. She goes to town and knocks on the projectionist's door and starts kissing him the moment he opens it. It's like one of those circle transitions in the old movies. She then has another daydream about taking a bow. <clears throat> she then has another daydream about taking a bow in a black and white film, while a huge audience gives her a standing ovation and throws her flowers. And in the audience, she sees her parents. Her mother takes off her mask to reveal severe burnings. Pearl wakes up from the nightmare in the projectionist's bed, and she runs to get dressed again. The projectionist asks her where she's going, and she says that she needs to dance for her dance. She needs to practice for her dance audition. The projectionist says that he'll drive her home. Pearl sees a man in a military uniform walking back, and she seems worried that it might be Howard, but can't tell because of the hat and face mask combination. I can literally never tell who anyone is when there's a hat and face mask combination going on. <laughs> the two pull up to Pearl's home in the projectionist's car. Pearl runs ahead of the projectionist and finds her father still at the dinner table where she left him. Pearl apologizes to him, pulls the knife out of the table, pushes her father into his bedroom, and checks that her mother is still in the basement. Meanwhile, outside, the projectionist noticed that the roast pig Mitzi's mother left on the porch is now crawling with maggots after having been left out overnight. Pearl finally calls the projectionist inside. Pearl introduces the projectionist to her father. Pearl takes him to up to her bedroom and starts kissing him on her bed, complaining again about how much she hates the farm. The projectionist starts hearing a loud thumping from downstairs, and when Pearl repeatedly insists it's nothing, the projectionist gets suspicious and goes to investigate. The projectionist wanders around downstairs, finding the spilled corn from the previous night's dinner. Pearl catches up to him and says that it must be their dog, who made a mess while she was gone, so Pearl put her in the basement, causing the thudding. Pearl then drags him to the barn and starts introducing him to all the farm animals. The projectionist then asks what the dog's name is, and she says they don't have a dog, which ca catching her in her lie. She's not able to recover well from this, so the projectionist is clearly super freaked out and starts making excuses about needing to leave. Pearl catches on and asks what she did wrong, 
although the projectionist says she didn't do anything. Remembering her mother's statement the previous night that anyone who spends time around her will notice she's evil, Pearl presses the projectionist about what he noticed, saying that she can tell he's upset because she's totally an empath. (laughs) She can feel his pain. When we went and saw this in theaters, we saw it with a pretty good audience that was, like, laughing a lot with the movie. Like, people were, like, occasionally, like, shouting things at the screen and stuff. Like, it was a really, like, good, engaged audience. And people died at the line where she's like, I'm an empath. Like, that got the biggest laugh. Pearl starts screaming hysterically about why the projectionist is leaving if she didn't do anything wrong. And And he says that she scares him and starts to walk away. As the projectionist starts his old car, um, which doesn't have a roof because it's old and not because it's fancy, (laughs) Pearl walks up to him with a pitchfork and screams that he won't leave her on this farm and stabs him repeatedly. Pearl then pulls him out of the car and stabs him through the head, finally killing him. Pearl checks on her mother in the basement and tells her she wants her mother to remember how this feels because this is how Pearl felt every time her mother looked at her. She then kicks her mother down the stairs. Pearl goes upstairs and tells her father that she'll clean him up now, although she's still covered in blood herself. Her father is clearly terrified the whole time, but he can't really move to escape her. Honestly, props to him, because like, he just had to stay like stationary the whole time, but he did a really good job showing his emotions. Yeah, this actor, Matthew Sunderland, yeah, he did a really good job considering he, like, couldn't do a lot to show his emotions but he did a good job pearl then grabs another of her mother's old dresses the red one that's in all the posters so like if you haven't seen the movie but you have seen the posters it's that one and she changes into that and shows it off to her father who she has also dressed in a nice suit She thanks her father for everything and says that she loves him and that he knows he'll look down on her fondly from heaven, implying that she's about to kill him. She then chokes him with a pillow. The scene then cuts to Pearl pushing the projectionist and his car into the lake as the crocodile swims up, establishing Pearl's tradition of getting rid of bodies in this lake. (laughs) Pearl rides back into town and goes to the dance audition for the Christmas chorus line. She goes to the seat Mitzi has been saving for her, and Mitzi asks her why she was late. Pearl says that she was finishing up some chores at the farm, and Mitzi says she's been very nervous without Pearl there. Pearl says that she has her suitcase with her because she wants to leave straight from the audition to the tour, and Mitzi warns her that they're only planning on taking one of the girls auditioning from this town. Pearl says it has to be her, and when Mitzi tells her off for being impolite, Pearl refuses to back down, instead repeating again that it has to be her. The girls who auditioned before Pearl are shown leaving the audition in tears. Mitzi asks Pearl why she's not scared, and Pearl says she's just used to being scared. Mitzi and Pearl switch places so that Pearl will go before Mitzi. Mitzi says Pearl's a good friend for doing this, and Pearl seems surprised but happy to hear her say that. Pearl is then called into the audition, where she finds a very stone-faced panel of judges. She stands on a taped X on the stage, a clear reference to the first film. The pianist starts to play, and Pearl starts a very normal and uninspired dance routine. 
After a few bars, she imagines that she's performing for the troops in Europe with a group of backup dancers in a chorus line with fireworks going off behind her. As she finishes, she marvels in her imagined applause, only for the fantasy sequence to end and for the judges to unenthusiastically tell her that she didn't get the role. When she questions them, she tell they tell her that she's not what they had in mind because they want a blonde girl with X Factor. Pearl then imagines that her burned mother is the one on the panel telling her no. The woman running the audition tries to pull her off the stage as Pearl cries and screams that she's a star, while the judges shake their heads at her. Pearl screams and cries loudly outside the auditions afterwards, and Mitzi comes to find her. Later, at Pearl's house, Mitzi has walked her home, and the girls find the roast pig still on the porch, but now totally rotten and disgusting. Mitzi tries to question this, but is ignored, and follows Pearl inside. Mitzi gets Pearl some milk in an attempt to comfort her. Pearl complains that her mother was right and that she failed, while Mitzi says it's really no big deal and that she didn't get the role. It's really no big deal that she didn't get the role. Pearl says Mitzi doesn't understand and that she doesn't feel well. Mitzi asks if Pearl has the Spanish flu, but Pearl clarifies and says that she feels like there's something missing in her mentally and that this is the first time she's told anyone. Mitzi says Pearl should tell Howard about this because he adores her, and Pearl should practice what she'll tell Howard to her first. Pearl then begins a long, iconic monologue with very few cuts. She starts her speech by saying that she hates Howard for leaving her on the farm so much that she wishes he would die, and then admits to cheating on Howard. Mitzi seems super shocked about all this, but Pearl is still treating her like Howard. Pearl says that she really cares about Howard and never wants him to feel jealous or upset because she's constantly jealous towards richer people. And she fears that she's a bad person and mainly courted him because she knew he had money and could get her off the farm because he seemed to leave because he seemed to lead a life straight out of the movies. However, Howard liked Pearl's farm better, which Pearl saw as selfish and admits to having been pregnant with Howard's child and hating the feeling of a child inside of her. So she was re so she was relieved when she had a miscarriage. Pearl says that she wants to be like the girls in the movies so that she can be perfect and loved by as many people as possible to make up for how awful the first part of her life has been. She sees herself as a failure because she hasn't achieved this goal yet and says that she worries her mother was right about being weak. She says that she regrets the violent things she has done, but that she really liked how they felt. She said she started by killing animals, but then admits to the murder of her father and the projectionist. Pearl says she knows she needs to clean everything up before Howard gets home, and that maybe she can make the farm a perfect home because she can't be all by herself and doesn't want Howard to leave her. She says all she really wants is to be loved. Pearl suddenly seems to remember she's talking to Mitzi and not Howard. Mitzi is very studiously looking at the table and trying not to react. Mitzi then tries to make polite excuses and leave the farmhouse. No, Pearl asks if Mitzi is frightened of her, and she says she's not. Pearl says she's so happy for Mitzi that she got the part for the chorus line, but Mitzi says she didn't get the part either. Pearl doesn't listen and says her feelings won't be hurt and insists that Mitzi stop lying to her. Mitzi then says she did get the part and thanks Pearl.
it's kind of unclear if she was lying earlier or now probably now i don't think she got the part what do you guys think i just feel like she was so scared like because she was just so she's just scared and that's why she said it just so she could leave faster trying to say whatever she could say oh, that makes sense because i feel like if she had said no and stuck to that i think pearl would have gotten more and more mad yeah no that's what i thought too it just the film doesn't really give a clear answer i was curious if you guys read it differently than me but it doesn't sound like it she did everything right like she was doing everything mm-hmm. right to leave but yeah pearl asked mitzi if she's going to tell anyone about pearl's rant and mitzi says she won't and knows pearl really loves howard mitzi walks outside and pearl follows afterwards several feet behind Pearl picks up an axe, and Mitzi starts running and crying for help. Mitzi trips, because of course she's in a horror movie, and Pearl catches up, repeatedly stabbing her in the back with the axe. Pearl stands over Mitzi, who's now lying on her back, severely injured and pleading for her life. Pearl says she's just trying to make the best of what she has, and kills Mitzi. Pearl walks down into the basement and goes to her mother at the bottom of the stairs. She puts her mother's arm around her neck and lays down next to her. Pearl brushes her mother's hair, which mostly falls out from the burns. Over the audio audio of her mother singing Twinkle Twinkle Little Star in German, Pearl chops up Mitzi's body into pieces and feeds it to the crocodile. She then brings her dead or almost dead mother and her totally dead father (laughs) to dinner and puts the rotted roast pig on the table. The film then cuts to an army bus of veterans arriving back in town, which drops Howard off at the farmhouse. He walks in super excited and calls for Pearl. He finds the macabre macabre dinner scene with the parents' corpses and the non-pig food now also rotted. So it's been a couple more days since the last scene. Pearl walks in with a glass of lemonade and says how happy she is that Howard's home. She then continuously smiles, but not in a freeze frame, but for the entire duration of the credits, which is very, very impressive. Like, I think that was like a whole, like, that was a long ass time. The smile slowly becomes less genuine and more deranged looking as she starts crying, but still has a very forced big smile on her face. Um, we hope that this was more interesting than the Wikipedia version. Join us in a few as we analyze the movie. Hi, this is Elizabeth Crane just chiming in to say please rate our podcast five stars and leave a written review if you have a spare second. This is the metric that a lot of podcast apps use to track which podcasts are being listened to a lot. So we would really appreciate you taking the time to do this. Thank you. Hi, welcome back from our break. We're now going to analyze topics in Pearl that we thought were worth discussing. So one clear theme that features heavily in both this film and in X is how women are treated within the entertainment industry. So this movie talks about how you want to be a star, but you need both youth and what they call X Factor in a reference to the first movie. Um, And 
they also heavily discuss how the entertainment industry will immediately drop anyone without these qualities. And the series especially emphasizes how older women are shunned by society, such as Pearl when she's older in X and Pearl's mother in this film. Yeah, I agree. And I think, I mean, the entertainment industry, but I think also just women in general. Because, like, for example, the projectionist and Pearl in this movie, like, it's kind of clear the only reason he approached her was because he was thinking with his dick, in my opinion. And it's just, I mean, I guess that can also be tied back to the entertainment industry with how so many women are taken advantage of and things like that. And he wants to be more heavily involved because he implies that he wants to go be a porn director. Yeah, I feel like at that point in her life, Pearl is so focused on what she sees on the big screen and stuff that she doesn't comprehend how big of an avenue porn is. Definitely not. Maybe not porn films but like definitely like the sex industry was like alive back then but i feel like because of pearl's background and stuff she just didn't have any exposure Mm -hmm. to it and then you know as time went on you know howard comes back and she starts thinking back and then she sees porn actually start coming into the light she's like oh fuck that could have been me (laughs) yeah no like how old is she in this film i was thinking about it is she like 18 like 19 20 or is she like older i think she's older because she's married during a time when i think the expected age to get married would probably be like 20 and it's the end of world war one presumably she got married before world war one so that adds like three years so i'd say she's probably supposed to be like 23 24 makes sense i guess it's just because mia goth looks so young like i know she's like what how old is she She looks so young and she sounds so young. yeah i think it's because she has like a naturally high-pitched voice she's 29 yeah yeah i think we can assume pearl is supposed to be in her 20s so she's not super young but she's definitely quite young another topic that this film touches on is the spanish influenza Um, which when COVID first happened, people definitely compared to COVID like all the time, especially people just referenced that it was the most recent sort of comparable pandemic that happened in like America. Um, So it definitely is being used also in this film as the way that it impacts the characters, but also we know from like listening to the director talk that this film was really heavily impacted by covid so it's interesting to see how it affects the way the movie was shot as well because apparently the idea for pearl was sort of already created like they knew they wanted to make a prequel about pearl when she was young but the onset of the pandemic caused ty west the director to want to film it back to back with pearl with x which is what he ended up doing because that way you only have to get one like set and sort of like bubble of people that you're like testing for COVID. So it sort of cut down costs and was more COVID safe to shoot the two films back to back, which is why they were also able to come out within a couple months of each other. That makes a lot of sense. I was also just thinking about how like even though I guess Pearl in the first movie is same as Pearl in the second movie, but like Mia Gott's playing three different characters. 
because like i feel like older pearl is very different from the younger pearl we do see and that's just insane like i mean we've already talked about her talent but like it's actually just astounding yeah i mean if there's anyone who is listening to this podcast who hasn't seen these movies mia goth plays young pearl in pearl but in x she plays elderly pearl as well as the main character maxine um so she's playing two or three roles here depending on how you're looking at it and every single one of these characters is extremely distinct from each other it's very clear that she's a very talented actress and is able to create these differentiations between how she's playing these characters her body language her tone of voice things like that that really add a dimension to how these characters are separate from each other pearl is played by mia goth both times because mia goth is sort of the like main character of the series and like very much supposed to be like the star of it would be my guess um but yeah i think it also allows us to see sort of cycle of um like someone who's a young ingenue and then is looking at the younger version of like what she wishes she could have done and thinking back on how society treats her as an older woman now and i predict that the plot of maxine is going to continue that trend and since it takes place like 10 years after X, or at least a few years after, because it's in the 80s, I think we're going to see people start to say that Maxine is too old to be playing the ingenue. And I think that's going to be sort of the running theme of the series. At least that's what I predict. Yeah, I think that definitely these films are meant to be a commentary on how ageist our society is, especially towards women, because so much of what society expects from women is tied to their physical appearance and their beauty, especially when you even add further onto that lens and put them in something like the chorus line that Pearl is auditioning for or a porn set where most of the point of this activity that they're involved in is to look at a pretty woman like these chorus lines were there specifically to entertain troops and while it was not necessarily as like I guess like scandalous or something as porn it was very much like oh it's these women providing an entertainment service for the men that are fighting for our country this movie also is very 1940 there's a lot of film there's a lot of references to 1940 films um especially in the way that it's shot um so it's meant to look like a technicolor film and i remember when i when i first watched it i think with the barn and everything um definitely reminded me of the wizard of oz at the beginning before the tornado hit and stuff and it's perfect because west talks about how he was influenced by Wizard of Oz and Mary Poppins um, and says that he wanted the movie to feel like a demented Disney movie. Yeah, I mean, in my head, so we watched this when it first came out, which was, I think, in like September. September. Yeah, so it had been a little while between that viewing and the viewing that we did for this podcast episode. And in between those, in my head, I totally conflated the style of the film and the time period. And I thought that this took place during World War II. And that's why Howard was away. But it doesn't. Which raises the question, why would they lean into the 1940s style if the movie doesn't take place in the 40s? Because X 
leans into the 70s filmmaking style and it does take place in the 70s so i'm very curious about this i think personally it's because the like if you actually made it look like a 1918 film it's like a silent movie the footage quality was like terrible yes there are great movies from this time period but even now when we look back on them you have to really be like okay this was like great for the time period because it's so hard to watch a silent film now so i think it's 40s even though it takes place in the like 1910s because um it's it maintains that vintage musical style while still being very watchable because things from that time period like the 1910s not super watchable today but people love wizard of oz like that's a very like modern watchable movie that people understand references for I completely agree, honestly. I was thinking about that when you asked the question about why. Um, I, For me personally, I think one of the reasons why I did want to watch the film was because I was like, wow, this looks like a demented Disney movie. <laughs> like, quite literally, I just really like the vibe. And, I mean, I feel like they do do, like, that one reference to, like, film styles back then through that one porn that we see. Um, and I just think it wouldn't have been as engaging of a watch, um, if it was, like, more of a 1910s film style. So I think it was, it was probably to keep the audience engaged and, like, to still keep it in color while still giving the air of it being nostalgic or being from back then. Because, like, how many people, because, like, if you're, like, an average movie watcher, you know, like, <laughs> are you going to really know the different styles? Probably not. Like, I don't think you're going to, like, pick up on that small fact. You'd probably just be like, wow, colors, technicolor, wow, so cool. So, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, technicolor is such a gorgeous style anyway. Like, who wouldn't want to mess around with it? And I think that is part of what makes this so successful is we see from the very first shot, you see this yellow farmhouse and later she's wearing like the bright red it really gives it a distinctive style that does remind you of things like the wizard of oz which is like one of the most famous uses of technicolor and i think there's some very obvious references to wizard of oz in this like when all the like bike riding scenes back and forth i feel like are probably referencing like dorothy riding her bike away from the mean neighbor who wants to kill toto at like the very beginning um, lots of cornfields there's the scarecrow like there's so many things that are like yeah wizard of oz of course <laughs> i do think it's interesting though that ty west lists mary poppins as a reference because i definitely picked up on less like direct references i mean obviously the setting is very different like wizard of oz and pearl both take place on like cute little rural farmhouses but mary poppins is in london so that's way more like out there from referencing it visually but i guess maybe the idea of like pearl imagining herself to always be inside of movies and inside of these dance scenes is kind of like the chalk art scene in mary poppins where the characters are like imagining that they're inside of the paintings 
this might be a long shot but maybe in the costuming because i feel like in wizard of oz it's kind of like you know the iconic um blue and white dress and like whatever the other characters wear whereas in mary poppins we kind of see her experiment with styles and then i feel like those kind of remind me more of like her or pearl's mother pearl's pearl's mother's dresses you know with the high necks and long sleeves possibility yeah I also think it's really fun that there's just a very obvious contrast in style between this and X because X is so clearly a Texas Chainsaw Massacre reference. Like, it is very similar in its visual language, um, even to the point where the opening shot, the ends of the frame are, like, cut off by the barn doors so it looks like it's in that 70s, like, more square ratio instead of a modern-day, like, more rectangular screen ratio. I also just kind of loved seeing a horror movie in like this Technicolor kind of 70s style, not 70s, sorry, 40s style of movie because it's just so different from like movies I've seen before. And I think that's why it was so engaging. Engaging was just the way it was filmed and everything. Like you really, because like you go like, I mean, you go in expecting a horror movie, but because you're so used to that being, like, in musicals, like, Mary Poppins and, like, Wizard of Oz, you're expecting this, like, uplifting, you know, fun film, which I guess, you know, it is fun, and there are, like, (laughs) (laughs) maybe not uplifting, but it's kind of, it plays on your mind, because it's, like, a juxtaposition of just, like, things you don't expect to be together yeah when i first when we first like started watching the movie i came in not knowing anything like the only thing i knew was that it was like a horror movie but you know obviously like those few scenes before she killed the animals i was like how is this even like a horror movie with like jump scares was like i don't know someone's just gonna come out but yeah you go in just thinking this is so different you don't even realize she just stabs the poor yeah and that's why it's so stark like that's that's how it gets you in because it's just like it's nothing what you expect and then you realize oh she's she's crazy (laughs) (laughs) been a fun yeah and it's fun i love it no don't get me wrong i love it but i was definitely watching i was like oh okay So it's not just a different setting from X, it's a very different genre, which I feel like is fun and unique for a horror franchise. Like, there's definitely some franchises that have had, like, that one movie that everyone references is, like, the weird one where they went in a totally different direction, you know? Like that one movie in the Hellraiser franchise where it's just a neo-noir detective mystery for no reason. Anyway, um, but this one... It's not even the same genre at all. And they're like a prequel in the sequel situation. I love that about it. I think it's so unique. I mean, Pearl is practically a musical at certain points. It has like relatively few like horror, like death scenes. um, And it leans into a more comedic tone at every opportunity. Whereas X is a very traditional slasher in a lot of ways. No, I completely agree. I mean, like, once again, it's, like, (laughs) has to do with, like, the time period it's in, because I feel like a lot of the horror movies that came from, like, I mean, sure, both of these films are, like, kind of slashers, but, like, this, uh, but 
X more so than Pearl. And I feel like it's definitely because horror movies during that time were more slasher-esque films. But I do think it's really fun that they're different genres. Because I think sometimes in franchises, you know, you go in and, like, you watch. And then the next thing is, like, the same thing, the same vibe. And it's so easy to get bored at a certain point like no matter how much you loved it at first it's easy to get bored because you know what you're expecting so in this way like I think the audience is just able to like keep guessing and like know that they're coming in for like a new experience every time they watch yeah I was gonna say something similar since we all like um watch this as like a double feature and I had never watched these movies before I very much appreciated that they were different because it like I feel like I look, I kind of expected it to be the same when I was watching X right after Pearl, but it was just so different, and that's it just kept me so engaged, especially because we were watching it at midnight, so <laughs> it definitely kept me up, because I was just so, like, I was just so curious, and especially watching Pearl before and then X, you don't really know the connection for a really long time, and so, like, not only were, like, the movies different, it, like, the whole plot was different, and I appreciate how they didn't like do the same thing like all over again yeah no samantha and i both went to this double feature midnight screening having not seen x and the screening played pearl before x even though that's the opposite order they came out in so both of us fully went into x like what is this like we we had just seen pearl and we were like what is this other movie like what do you mean it's the same plot like i don't know about this but yeah i think it provided a really fun perspective because if you go back and watch x after you see pearl which i really encourage you to do if you haven't seen it since x came out it's really fun to see how they reference the first film, how actually Maxine quotes Pearl a couple times and sort of foreshadows this like taking over of Pearl's role in a lot of ways. Uh, there's a lot of really interesting references there that I feel like become more clear if you watch Pearl and then X. Like they released it opposite, but I think it just makes more sense. I just think it's so much more interesting to like go into X, like knowing there's a connection, but not really knowing how that connection is. And then later when it reveals like she's much older, just seeing like how much has changed and how she's evolved. And also like especially at the end of like Pearl with like how we have no idea what was gonna happen. In my head, I thought he turned her in. I thought. I don't know, maybe, you know, I didn't think he was above killing her, especially because he killed, uh, she killed his sister, you know? I don't know if she told him that. I still wonder that. But um, seeing it, like, unravel in that way was just so... I just feel like it added more to the experience than watching X before Pearl. I also hadn't seen either of the two before we had gone to see it, so I fully did not know what to expect, and... I agree. I think it definitely added to the experience of watching X. However, I do understand why they released X before Pearl. Just because I think had Pearl come out first, I don't think many of many people would have understood the nuances of Pearl. And they would have just been like, oh, like I thought this... Because, like, I mean, it is a horror film. But there's definitely less slasher stuff in Pearl than there is an X. So I think it would have had less of an audience had they released it the other way. No, I agree. It probably would have had less of an audience, especially because like Pearl's very interesting. 
but it's also very I don't know if subtle is the right word, but it's obviously not your typical horror movie with jump scares and gore and like, you know, obviously, you know, the burnt mother and everything. There's some gore, but like not to the extent of what you expect from a typical horror movie. So I think it did them a service by releasing X, especially because X is just, it's wild from start to finish. And I think it helped them gain the audience that they needed, especially because there's more stars in X um, that, you know, they can release Pearl and it could still, you know, get the recognition, pull the audience in, get the recognition, see how much effort they put into it. Yeah, I mean, essentially, X works as a blockbuster, which it wasn't. It was released on the indie circuit, but in in theory, it functions as a blockbuster, whereas Pearl is very much like a weird little genre piece. So as much as I do think it works to watch them with Pearl first, I definitely see why they were like, no, prequel. This is a prequel material, not a main main film and franchise um but yeah i i still really enjoyed it in that order also going back to what samantha said about howard why did he not turn her in this film literally ends with howard walking in and we never see his reaction we don't even get a frame of his reaction it zooms in on Mia Goth's like two minute long creepy smile and we don't hear a thing from Howard and like okay so he's clearly in on the killings in X he is one of the murderers in X but we don't know how he reacted to Pearl's killings in Pearl which okay my personal theory is that he was like a normal guy but he was in World War One, right which we know was like totally horrific with the trench warfare um so he probably came home with like a ton of ptsd and he like saw his like beloved wife who he's been writing all these letters to the whole war like committing these murders he was probably just like this might as well happen like that's my personal theory is like he clearly was like not in a good place already and was like i can't deal with this i need an explanation of how she managed to tell him that you know she killed his sister that's just like that's your blood relative, and I don't know their like their their family situation, but I'm just like you just let that go. Like <laughs> I'm so sorry, it made no sense to me. But um, yeah, I think I agree that it had a lot to do with PTSD, especially because like you know in the next movie he was not above killing. Like I'm sure after the war he was just like everyone kills, so I guess it's not weird that you know my own wife kills too. Yeah. I feel like that would make the most sense. I don't even know. I feel like she probably never even told them about Mitzi. But she went missing, you know, because, like, the mom's still there, so they're all, like, and I'm sure, like, I don't know, I'm just, I'm theorizing, and I'm just thinking, like, I'm sure the mom knew where Mitzi was going. She seemed like a very proper, very, like, you know, like, I feel like she couldn't go anywhere without, like, the mother knowing, or at least someone knowing, um, and, like, I just, I feel like there's just no mom didn't know she was going to audition for the dance. That is true. So she probably said some other lie and left. Yeah, we, like, know that Mitzi lied about her location on that day. Also, she could have told Howard something about the Spanish flu, because that's a big theme in this movie. She could be like, oh, she died of the Spanish flu. Like, so sad. What a tragic death. I wonder if Howard, I feel like, yeah, I feel like, um, 
Carl could have easily lied, but I feel like Howard always suspected it. Yeah, he might have suspected it, but also I feel like we kind of see him being, like, terrorized by Pearl in X. Like, I feel like maybe he's too scared to leave. Yeah. I think he's in too deep at a certain point, and, like, maybe, like, probably at the end of Pearl, like, you know, he comes back, he's just so fed up with the war and stuff that he's like, all right, this is my situation right now. This is the woman I love. She also murders people. But this is just where I'm at. Um, and then I think the longer he stayed, the more he probably just got caught up in, like, other murders. Like, I don't think that she stopped here, you know? Especially in X, he, I think he references saying, like, not again. Like, yeah. this has happened again. Like, or, sorry, happened previously when um, he was talking to one of the other characters in X. So it definitely happened. I'm sure it happened, like, every so often one of the people stayed in the barn. But... I just don't know why you keep letting people. I fully believe that Pearl murders everyone who comes on that property. Like, we see the random van guy in X who's not, he's already there before the main characters get there. Random van guy was also murdered, and he was not shooting a porn. So I feel like X sort of frames it as like, oh, they were killed for shooting a porn because these people are, like, so offended. I feel like, no, that's not what happened. I feel like Pearl just murders everyone all the time, and she sort of used that as, like, an excuse. She's like, oh, you're so immoral. I will murder you. But actually, she just murders everyone. She was explaining, like, how she, like, resented Howard for not using their money to get them in a better place. And I think that's just so interesting because even, like, after, you know, he came home... Well, okay, first... First of all, I'm like I understand like Howard wanted the farm life, but I think it's just so I guess interesting is the word I'm gonna use that you know he they didn't he didn't like have more money to use to get them out of that situation instead left to go to the war and then defend for themselves. Like I understand the mother wasn't didn't want to quote unquote accept handouts. I'm surprised they stayed on the farm. Maybe like you know in order to like not introduce Pearl to the outside world. <laughs> Especially with that money, they could have gone to New York or something. Like she, he de- she definitely had like that's the whole reason for marrying her. And she had proximity to wealth. So I'm just, I'm, I wonder what would have happened if like, cause it's like as you said, like you know, she terrorized him. I'm sure she could have totally convinced him to use some of that money for her own gain. So also another topic that's really interesting to discuss in this movie is how sexuality is portrayed, particularly Pearl's sexuality. Because in both installments in the franchise, pornography is referred to as um, like this legitimate business by most of these characters. They all seem to be doing it very like willingly um, as opposed to it being just openly exploitative. You can certainly argue that some of these characters are being exploited in X or we don't really know anything about like the people in the porn that's shown in this. Um, but overall, the characters like Maxine, who are porn stars, seem to be happy about it. Um, and it's clear that West himself does not openly attach a stigma to pornography, although his characters may. Um, so I think it's really interesting to see how this interpretation of sexuality and of pornography reflects into the larger themes of this film about how women are treated by the entertainment industry 
Um, especially since Pearl is shown as a very sexual character, despite not being overtly sexual on camera, uh, it cuts away from the sex scene with the projectionist, although it's implied that they have sex. Um, and so she's cheating on her husband, um, and she does that weird, like, sexual dance sequence with the mannequin scarecrow guy in the field that's really creepy. So we know that Pearl is uh, very, like, in control of her sexuality. Um, we see her as being very interested and open with her sexuality. Um, but the film also does not show her in sexual situations, at least in this movie. I would argue that it does more in X. Sorry, I'm going back to Howard. I think Howard is such an interesting character that in X, he, like, he's not concerned that his wife is killing at all, but he is more concerned just based on, like, the naked man on his property because he feels threatened by them. And I just think that's goes to show, like, he, he doesn't, like, it's just, he's more concerned about sex and, like, um, sex with his wife and, like, how his wife views other men than he is. No, that's actually really interesting. I feel like sometimes sex is more taboo than, like, murder. I mean, I'm assuming you mean in movies and not in the real world. <laughs> yeah, in movies. <laughs> but, yeah, I would agree. I mean, there's this whole really interesting discussion that's cropped up online recently that people our age, apparently, like, some of them really hate when there's sex scenes in movies um and is there's this push recently that most movies don't have a lot of sex scenes in them um which i mean i think there are noticeably less in like the recent few years than there were in previous decades um so i agree there is a, a huge stigma attached to having a lot of sex scenes in your movies uh in comparison to practically every movie you go see has a character die in it um certainly every horror movie is going to have a solid handful of murders no i i think it's interesting to have a horror movie that references that i also think it's interesting that ty west cites um mario bava as a reference um who's a famous italian giallo director from the 70s who the, of course, the giallo style is famous for sort of having all these beautiful women being murdered in a way that is very exploitative sometimes. Um, so I think that's a very interesting connection to make that he cites that as a reference. This film style of giallo films, which are not sexually exploitative, but there's definitely an argument to be made like there are for a lot of older horror movies that they're all about exploiting women by depicting acts of violence on them i don't know maybe her backstory isn't tragic but i, I feel kind of bad for her actually you know what when you guys were like you know when i was re-watching and when you guys were going through the um the plot you know i i felt more bad for the mom you know like when i was first watching that movie i was just like oh this is unfortunate you know the mom just had um a daughter that's just not that's Pearl. Um, she's, she's Pearl. But, like, going, like, we're watching the movie and just um, going through the plot, I was just like, it is unfortunate. Like, you know, her husband is um, very sick. You know, she has to do everything by herself. Obviously, her daughter is not picking up the weight that she needs to. And she just has so much pressure to feed, to feed them. Yeah, I agree. I think it's very interesting that in, like, the dinner scene where they're having the big argument, most of the, like, legitimate points are given to the mother. And is she way too harsh? Yes. 
she is very mean to Pearl in a lot of her comments. But most of the points she's making are like, we need to eat. Um, we own a farm. Do you guys know how much work it takes to run a farm? Because my grandparents owned a farm, and all I ever hear from my parents is stories about, like, how much work these farmers have to do to, like, take care of all this stuff. Every episode, we rate every movie we watch on a scale of 1 to 10 in terms of queerness and how much we liked the movie. So... Uh, for this movie, on a scale of 1 to 10, of how queer it was, I would give it a 0 because there is no queerness in this movie. We were just watching it because we wanted to have Samantha on as a guest, and we all like this movie, and it's fun, and we love Mia Goth. Yeah, 0 out of 10 for me for the same reasons, <laughs> honestly. It's fun, though. Yeah, I'll say 0 out of 10. Go to 0.5 because I personally get to watch Mia Goth on stage. Like, on stage. <laughs> <laughs> Special for me because she's gorgeous. She's absolutely stunning. So maybe like a 0.5 for me. <laughs> you are so real for that. I love that for you. Okay, on a scale of 1 to 10 on how much I liked this film, I am going to give it, um, I think I will give it a 9 out of 10. I really love this film. I think it is such an inventive take on a horror film because I could not name another one that's like, a Wizard of Oz musical parody that's also a successful horror movie. I think it is so fun, it's so original, and the level to which Mia Goth absolutely destroys this role is insane and a delight to watch. I think I'll give this like a 9.5 out of 10, just because usually I don't really get too spooked out by horror movies. Um, like, But I remember leaving the theater for watching both Pearl and... I guess it's because we watch Pearl and X back to back, but based on that enjoyment too, I think like I was like genuinely spooked walking back in the dark. I was like that 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 whole experience was wild, and I just really liked the Technicolor and um, the way Dave did the movie. It was fun. I really really like this movie. I think I'll give it an eight point five out of ten. Um, I very much enjoyed this movie. I it's totally I definitely would watch it just to pick up on all the little things. So every episode, we connect what we watched this week to what we're going to watch in our next episode. So this time, our connection is going to be vintage stylization. Queer by Candlelight is a podcast hosted, created, and edited by Elizabeth Crane and Dahlia Kumar. Cover art by Dahlia Kumar. Music by Elizabeth Crane. Music recorded by Elizabeth Crane and Ryan Allegret. With special thanks to Carlos Myers for help with music composition.